Welcome to Just Thinking with hosts Dara Harrison and Virgil Walker, bringing you week-to-week cultural apologetics as well as social issues from a biblical worldview. This is Just Thinking. Let's think. We're back. It's another edition of the Just Thinking podcast. I am Virgil Walker. And I am Daryl Harrison. What's going on, Omaha? <laughs> I I hadn't got one of those in a while, man. It's been a I know, minute. man. I know it's been a minute. So I have to rotate. Right. I guess and none of these are planned beforehand. It's just whatever hits me at the moment. Right, right, right. So, right, so right. at that moment, it just kind of hit me that I hadn't done that in a while. Right. So I had right. to throw that one back out there. I, I had yeah, to dust had, that one off and put I that one I hadn't gotten out. the Mike, the Michael Jackson one right there. So <laughs> <laughs> what's going on out there in nebraska oh man not a lot man i just finished um uh, today i usually on the first sunday of the month i usually go to um do jail ministry so i went and did uh, uh spent some time at the at the douglas county jail here in uh, omaha nebraska and spent uh spent about man about an hour hour and a half with the guys that are there we do it we do a full-blown service so i got a chance to just Preach the gospel, and man, we we uh, we were Wonderful. fortunate, man, to see a uh, few souls, man. God Wonderful. God use our pro- gospel proclamation to see some souls come to come to Christ. So, man, it was awesome. That's wonderful, man. Absolutely, wonderful. man. I Absolutely. love hearing about the stuff because you have you got so many ministry irons in the fire. Ah. Uh, and I, I love when we get an opportunity, man, for you to share what you're doing from a ministry standpoint. Because mm. uh, you you're, you're like I always say, man, you're the hardest working person I know. Uh, from the standpoint of uh, just organic ministry, man, and how God has gifted you to 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 have uh, just a presence mm. in uh, not not just in your church but in your community. So right. I really appreciate being able to hear what you're up to, man, uh, when you're not behind the mic, right, right, on Sunday right. afternoons, you know. Yeah, yeah, I hear you, it, man. It was it was incredible. I, I just had an incredible. It's one of those things where you know at, at church. We got three services, eight o'clock, nine thirty, eleven, eleven, and so by the time I get ready to roll out there, I'm kind of like wiped. But oh, sure. yeah. But when you get out there, man, and yeah. you see the guys who are just hungry, man, yeah. it just it gives you a whole another yeah. level of energy. Yeah. So it it was awesome to do that. And then at the same time, I wrapped up there because I knew I had to race here and make sure my notes were prepared and I was ready to go and all of that stuff. So man, excited to be here with you. Cannot wait for how we're going to walk through some of this content that we've uh, teed up for tonight. So, man, looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm excited about this one too, man. But before we dive into the topic for this week's JT episode, I want to let our listeners know we got some exciting things happening in background Mm. as it relates to the Just Thinking podcast, some news that we want to share with you guys in Omaha. I want to ask you, man, if you wouldn't mind bringing our listeners up to speed, man, on what's going on. Yeah, absolutely. Podcast, man. Some exciting stuff, man. It's 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 really incredible to see. And man, I've got the I've got the bullets. You want me to walk through kind of what we're talking yeah, let's about? Walk, man? walk through them, man. Walk through them. OK, right now. OK. We've got just thinking is now on Instagram. So we're now on IG. And uh, man, so if you're if you're out there, you're looking for us uh in in on the instagram space and and there's some other stuff that i'll that i'll say that that rolls into that but but check us out i think it's just uh uh uh, dash podcast is that right brother i think it's it's the same handle that we have on twitter i think it's podcast underscore just thank you for that thank you for that podcast underscore just and you'll find us on ig 
Yep, yep. So check us out there. We just now got a YouTube page as well. Yep. Uh, Dwayne did a just is doing yeoman's work behind the scenes. Man, he he just holds us down, man. Yep. I mean, he he he'll get something and get an idea, and hey, I've already got this and this, and kind of behind the scenes. And so he, we're we're now on. YouTube, we have a YouTube channel, Just Thinking. And so uh, if you're interested in getting the podcast, uh, now, now I know some folks are going to think, oh, they, they, we can see their faces. They're on video, right? Well, that's that's not yet the case. But uh, one of the things I love about about the YouTube piece, and, and you can do this if you download us in, you know, uh, uh, on, your, on your Android or, or Apple device, but I, I love speeding up podcast or speeding up whatever I'm watching or listening to, I can kind of listen to it a little bit faster and get through more content that way. So that's one of the things that, that I like. And the other things that makes it maybe a little bit more easy for you to share with others. So if, you, if you're looking at a link and you want to kind of go that direction, that's yeah. uh, something that you can do. And then um, live just, we're going to do a live just thinking podcast, bro. This blew me away at grace to you. Truth matters conference that's being held at the grace community church in october and yep. bro you please can you tee us up on how how did that happen man what i mean I, I know how i got the info but what in the world how did that happen yeah so before i even came to california uh when things were in motion for me to come to california to go to to work at grace to you uh, Phil Johnson, who is the executive director at Grace to You, approached me with the idea of us perhaps doing a live podcast from the Truth Matters Conference, which is which, as you mentioned, it's a Grace to You Truth Matters Conference. It's going to be held at Grace Community Church in L.A. October 16th through 18th. Mm -hmm. uh, so this was actually Phil Johnson's idea. And Todd Friel is going to be there as well. Todd Friel is going to be there sort of as a moderator for a couple of Q&A's that are going to be happening during the truth matters conference. And uh, so I just found out last week that we're officially on uh, the program agenda. That's so, insane. Uh, so yeah, so we're going to be doing a live just thinking podcast at the grace to you truth matters conference mid October. So uh, wow. folks who are going to be there, look, look out for that. I believe the conference will be streamed, will be live streamed as well. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, so folks who are unable to attend, I'm thinking you'll probably be able to uh, stream that and uh, watch and listen in as well. That's great, man. And then we've got the second thing is we got the live Just Thinking podcast at the 2020 G3 conference in Atlanta. Yep, yep, yep. So I get Bro. to go back home, man. I get to go back to the ATL. Yeah. First, first time for me attending a G3 conference. Shout out to Josh Bice. Yeah. All the work that he's doing and putting that together. I think this may be given all that's been going on, especially with the evangelicalism uh, politically, socially, mm. culturally within the past year, mm -hmm. I think the 2020 G3 conference is probably going to be the most substantive and significant mm -hmm. G3 conference that's been held thus far. So yeah. we will be doing a live Just Thinking podcast from the 2020 G3 conference in the ATL. So if you're going to be there for that, look for us there. And I'm so excited about being able to go home I, I can't wait man i mean i've been there twice now without you it's gonna be great to be there with you and then to get yeah. to experience kind of atlanta through through your lens for us being there together bro that i'm telling you when i was there it was insane by myself last year yeah. i cannot imagine you and i both being there doing a live podcast from there and then experiencing all of the incredible things that are going to be happening during that time it's going to be amazing 
Yeah, so the G3, now that you mentioned that, just to wrap this up, G3 will be the second time you and I have actually met. So we're going to, our first right, time meeting face to face is going to be a Truth Matters in October. Right, right, so, right. So, you know, you and I have not met the face to face. Neither have I met Dwayne. I've I not hope, met Dwayne I hope Atkinson that, either. I hope that doesn't mess up our mojo, man. I, you know, I don't. Well, I don't if know. it does, what we can do is just put a partition between the two of us. <laughs> I won't see you. You won't see me. So we'll keep this flowing. <laughs> we'll have to figure that out, man. Figure That'll that be out, interesting. Man. Interesting. And we got we got a big, big, big news next. I mean, not that those aren't huge. Both of, I mean, all of that's huge. But something that I'm extremely excited about, man, it's something I know you and Dwayne in particular have been working on very closely, is uh, is our newly hired social media admin for just thinking and that is a, we sh- a, the shout out to, to miss candace yeah miss um, candace s i'm not gonna give her last name right before, I, and I, I yeah for, for, for privacy's sake yep but yeah we've got it we call her newly hired right, but she, right. Actually volunteered. <laughs> actually, she actually came to us and volunteered yeah so it's yeah. not i don't i don't want folks to misunderstand that the, the, the see i was have, gonna leave know, i was gonna leave it out there i was gonna leave it out there <laughs> yeah yeah and then candace here this be like oh they hired me where was where's my paycheck where's the paycheck right <laughs> we we say that we that we say that she's newly hired right but uh she's newly volunteered so right. candace s shout out to you She's already doing a fantastic job wow, in, uh, man. in managing all She's of our social media footprints for Just yeah. Thinking, and we really appreciate her being on board. Uh, and one more thing, right, Omaha? Yep, yep, yep. We're, we're approaching 250,000 downloads of the show, man. I mean, that, that right there deserves its own Hammond B3 moment, man. Just... Yeah, I think we might want to get a Hammond B3 in here just to, <laughs> to recognize what we've been doing the show now for what about 16 months i think right right and we're about to hit 250,000 downloads mm-hmm. uh and again you know because we're getting new listeners all the time so we we kind of like to refresh a little of this information for the sake of our new listeners so yeah uh so for our uh regular listeners hang in there with us uh we don't want to sound redundant but we do want to recognize the fact that we do have new listeners tuning into us mm-hmm. every week so mm-hmm. uh thank you all for supporting us and helping us get to that two hundred and fifty thousand download threshold man that's that's uh that's amazing i mean i'm shaking my head as i say that yeah it's, and, it uh, is it is that, that that folks actually listen to us every week is, is amazing in itself yeah. It, it, it right right and then, i mean and then to and then bro just to go back and and just recap all of the things that man the doors that that guys open we we indeed i know you share this sentiment we're just humbled by the fans of the show uh that they that they've helped us along the way to take the show to just new heights uh from a standpoint of you and i being being prepared and to talk about subject matter and discuss things but as well their interest has drawn the eyes of other of other folks that that are opening the doors of opportunity that uh, that we've had so man it's been incredible man we give god all the all the thanks and all the praise and glory but man we're just thankful to our fans who have come alongside and, and by god's providence man help us help us grow in the way that that we are so indeed omaha that's well said man i echo everything you just said thank you to our listeners and we do we're so humbled uh, that the lord would give us this platform and that mm. it has uh proven to be so helpful so so edifying and beneficial to so many listeners yeah now with all that said let me clear the throat because i feel compelled <laughs> here we go verse here we go right right, right. <laughs> i feel compelled to issue a disclaimer 
at the outset of our discussion today, Omaha, is I have the sneaking suspicion, just a sneaking suspicion that this mm-hmm. is going to be one of those episodes where you and I are probably going to reap the wrath of some of our listeners who may just happen to hold to a different perspective on the topic we're going to address today. Mm-hmm. You know, not that that's anything new. Okay. Right. As far as, as far as right. reaping the wrath of some of our listeners, but you and I have often spoken on this podcast about the importance of context mm-hmm. and how critical it is for us as Christians to be able to define the terms we use as we engage in conversations about various issues, such as the one that we will deal with today, such as all the issues that we've dealt with regularly and deal with regularly on the Just Thinking podcast. We've spoken countless times about how absolutely critical it is to define the terms we use toward the goal of establishing a clear context with regard to the issues and topics we discuss on this platform. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when you think about that, it's only right that we do that. It's only right that we focus on defining terms toward the goal of establishing context. It's right that we do that, particularly in light of what is the mission statement for the Just Thinking podcast, which is, one that in which we endeavor to be faithful to God in applying the objective, applying the objective truth of his word to the political, social, cultural, and theological issues of our world. That is the mission statement of this podcast. We want to apply the objective truth of the word of God to those issues. That is what we set out to do each and every time we sit behind these microphones and hit record. Mm. So context is foundational to every topic we endeavor to address on the Just Thinking podcast. It is no different with the subject we're dealing with today on what we see as an increasing emphasis and focus within contemporary evangelicalism to be nuanced, okay, to be nuanced, not only in our communication of the gospel to others, but also in how we should understand and interpret the gospel the gospel. Mm-hmm. And is that that latter e- emphasis, it's that latter emphasis, a nuanced hermeneutic or interpretation of the gospel that is most concerning to me as we approach this issue today. Any thoughts you have that you want to share, Omaha? Yeah, man, I, I, I've got a few things I want to say, especially as we open this up. And it was, um, it was at the point at which you sent me the topic discussion. You said, hey, I want to talk about this, this gospel of nuance, this nuanced idea that people are, are addressing. And I know there was a little bit of a dust up, I think, on Twitter with regard yeah, to this issue. There was. And so, and so I, w- I was excited about the topic. At the same time, as I thought through it, I thought, man, you selected something. I'm going to have to go and, and kind of do my homework. And, 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 and so initially there was excitement. And then I paused and thought, man, this could be, this could be a tough one. And my reasoning stemmed from the fact that we recognize that context is always important. Indeed, and, always. And always important. In fact, it's been on this show that you said many times, time and time again, that the foundation of sound hermeneutics, you always say, is context, context, and context. Right. Right. So we recognize the importance of context. But we've also discussed the importance of having proper biblical categories for particular theological issues. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, for example, we understand under the theocracy of God, that the people of Israel, for for the people of Israel, eating shellfish was an abomination, right? right? Alongside acts of homosexuality. Mm -hmm. Now, many place both of these in the same category rather than understanding the differentiation between Mm -hmm. a moral prohibition 
uh, explained in both the Old and New Testaments regarding homosexuality mm-hmm. and a ceremonial dietary restriction established to separate, uniquely separate the people of Israel from other pagan societies around them. So there's a differentiation between the categories that are required for certain things as well as the proper context. And so we have, we have an eye to both of those. And I, I know that you agree that context is important and that categories are important. Great point. How, however, as I studied the gospel of the, of the nuance, it, be, it became quickly evident that this is not, that the idea of the gospel of nuance is not an attempt to properly divide the word of God for the purpose of clarity. But the gospel of nuance is about something completely different. So I'm really excited, man, about where we're going to go in our journey tonight and what you're going to the, the, the space and place that you're about to take our listeners on. Well, I think we're off to a great start, man. I think you brought up a great point in distinguishing categories and context and how critical those two things are. Mm-hmm. You know, as I think about what you just said, I'm reminded of what John Calvin said. It was Calvin who warned that people sometimes use scripture as a quote unquote nose of wax. He said mm-hmm. that was Calvin. He said, because it can, he, he used that metaphor because scripture can sometimes be formed into all kinds of shapes. Calvin said, so mm-hmm. he used that metaphor of a nose of wax that people often use scripture in those terms. Uh, Martin Luther used that same metaphor with regard to Roman Catholicism of whom he said, So we see now, we see now how neatly the Romanists deal with the scripture, making of it just what they want, as if it were a wax nose Mm -hmm. that one can pull this way and that. So we get an idea of what Calvin and Luther mean when they use the term nose of wax and wax nose and how people can use scripture to make it mean anything that they want. As Luther said, they can pull scripture this way. And that now I believe these words from Calvin and Luther help to put into context what I personally think is one of the dangers of stressing a nuanced gospel. Mm. Now, I say that particularly as it relates to what I'm seeing in the church today, which is an emphasis on nuance, even over and above an emphasis on the importance that believers in Christ possess the necessary spiritual discernment to understand what the gospel fundamentally is to begin with. Mm-hmm. Now, I say that because the truth is, biblical illiteracy is a serious issue within the church today. That's good. Now, by biblical illiteracy, I'm not talking about an inability to actually read what is in the Bible. That's not what I mean by that term. Right. By the term biblical illiteracy, I'm talking about a lack of understanding of what is contained in the Bible. That is what I mean by biblical illiteracy. Mm-hmm. It is a lack of spiritual understanding and discernment of what the scriptures mean by what the scriptures say. Right. Okay. Now, countless professing believers today have no idea what they believe or why they believe it. Say that. So how can they be expected to apply nuance to that which they do not fundamentally understand? Mm-hmm. So in emphasizing a nuanced gospel we're actually putting the proverbial cart before the horse. That is my primary concern in addressing this issue of nuance to begin with. In Matthew 15, 10, okay, Matthew 15, 10, it says, after Jesus called the crowd to him, he said to them, hear and understand. He didn't just say hear, 
He said, hear and understand. Similarly, in Acts 8.30, Acts chapter 8, verse 30, Philip asked the Ethiopian eunuch, do you understand what you're reading? Mm-hmm. You know, in his book, Omaha, in his book, Preaching and Preachers, which I know you've read, mm-hmm. in, in Preaching and Preachers, D. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this. I thought this was brilliant. He said, every Christian should be able to give an account of why he is a Christian. That's good. Now, most Christians today, right, Omaha, they will they will confess or profess to be a Christian. Mm-hmm. But how many of them can really give in confidence and assuredness an account of why they are a Christian? Mm-hmm. So it's Martin Lowe Jones's words, with those words in mind that I say to my brothers and sisters in Christ, let us seek to first understand the scriptures before we talk before we start talking about how we should nuance them. Okay. Wow. Thoughts on my heart. Wow, I love what you did there. I mean, the, the reality is I, I, when you said we're getting the proverbial cart before the horse, that's absolutely true. I mean, I was in a, I was in a, a Bible study class just uh, today, in fact, uh, at, at my church, where I really challenged those who were there to articulate why they were the same, the same, very same question that, that D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, the doctor, had, had asked. You know, why, why are you a Christian? What, what's the reason? What's the rationale behind that? And, and more times than not, people are very slow to answer. And that's not a question we should ever be slow to answer. And so I, I think all of that goes to, to amplify what you just stated. We don't know what we currently believe. We're, we're unable to articulate what we currently believe. But now we've got a, we've got a whole generation of, of, of younger evangelicals who, or and in some of them not so young, Right. Uh, that, that are, the, I should say, modern day evangelicals who are encouraging us to embrace the idea of the, of the nuance. You know, mm-hmm. and that, that's something that we've got to really, really begin thinking about. I, I think about it from this standpoint. Uh, we definitely believe that there's there's a need for, for those of us who claim Christ uh, to know why we believe what we believe in the scriptures. I, I thought about when you when you're talking, I thought about that Psalm chapter one verses one through six. And here's what it says. It says, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked, nor stand in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on the law, he meditates day and night. We need to know why we believe what we believe, and we need to spend time in the scriptures themselves before we determine that we need this nuanced idea. Scripture is clear that we, that we'd be like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields fruit in season. It's leaf does not wither and all that it does prospers. We've got to know the scriptures first and foremost so that we can live the kind of life that that scripture encourages us to do so. Amen. Omaha. Great words, brother. Now I mentioned at the top of the episode, the importance and significance of defining the terms we use when discussing some of the issues we deal with on the Just Thinking podcast. Now, mm. in keeping with that credo, I want to begin our conversation today by providing a definition of what the word nuance means. Okay, I want to provide a definition of the word nuance. Now, this is not to imply or to infer that our listeners aren't aware of what the word nuance means. Okay, <laughs> nevertheless, because I know somebody will get upset. Well, you guys talking down to everybody, blah, blah, blah. No. <laughs> Again, the the, 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 the the significance of context here is what I'm trying to establish. Okay, yeah. I'm trying to establish context. So we must 
define the term. All right. We so, always, this is what we do. I mean, this is look, if you're brand new, this is what we do. We define what we mean. We, we say what we mean. We mean what we say. And we articulate with specificity definitions of words. So this is how this rolls here. So right, exactly right. This is what we do every week. <laughs> this is what we do. You listen to us regularly. This is what you're going to get. Yeah. So we have to start at the beginning. Right. We must start at the beginning or else none of what we will say from this point forward will make any sense to anyone regardless of whether or not anyone happens to agree with the perspective we're presenting here today. Okay, Mm -hmm. so let's start at the beginning. The Merriam-Webster Dictionary defines nuance as follows, okay? According to the Merriam-Webster Dictionary, nuance is, quote, a sensibility to, an awareness of, or an ability to express delicate shadings as of meaning, feeling, or value, unquote. Okay? So there's the definition of nuance. A sensibility to, an awareness of, or an ability to express delicate shadings as of meaning, feeling, or value. That's the definition. Now, from an etymological standpoint, the history of the word nuance is very interesting. Okay? Its origins start in Latin, with the noun nubes, N-U-B-E-S, nubes, which means cloud, okay? Nubes then floated into Middle French as new, spelled N-U-E, okay? That's Middle French, the word new. That word new also means cloud. Then new, N-U-E, gave rise to the word nuer which is spelled N-U-E-R. Nuer meaning, quote, to make shades of color, unquote, okay? Nuer, in turn, produced nuance, which in Middle French means shades of color, okay? In the late 18th century, the English language borrowed nuance from French with the meaning a subtle distinction or variation. And it is that use that persists today. Nuance in English means a subtle distinction or variation. So there you have both the definition and the etymology of the word nuance. And I went through that in an effort to establish context, because, again, if we don't try to establish context, none of what we say from this point on is going to make any sense to anyone. So, again, contextually speaking, And by definition, when appended as an adjective to the word gospel, a nuanced gospel proffers the idea of taking into consideration the various shades of color, if you will, with regard to one's personal worldview and how that worldview may have been shaped by his or her own sociocultural life experiences and influences. In other words, a nuanced gospel is one wherein the word of God, which, by the way, is inherently objective and inherently equitable, Mm -hmm. is to be understood and interpreted in light of the various distinctions and influences that make up and comprise one's personal life experience, and consequently is to be lived out in light of those experiences. Mm -hmm. So that's what a nuanced gospel looks like. Thoughts, Omaha? Wow, that was powerful walking back through 
the etymology of of the word nuance as you kind of taken i mean took it from the latin and walked folks through i i would encourage our our listeners maybe to go back and and take note of that it's it's important to know and understand for the point that you made the context so we can know where we are where we've landed and what it means and so we're in a we're in a day and time when when the redefinition or redefining of words it, it, it kind of runs amok and so it's important for us to know where this where these words originated from how they're being used today and what is actually being meant by what is said when people use the idea of of nuancing mm-hmm. the the gospel and so yep. and as you were as you were speaking i was reminded of the nuanced approach uh, and this may be out of left field of, of the gospel that you mentioned a while back with the former church that you attended. You remember you talked about the church you attended with the female pastor bishop. What, yeah. what was her what was her name? Yeah, her, her, her she was Archbishop Mary Veronia Walton. <laughs> I remembered you talking about that. And it was kind of a mix of when you when you mentioned that that uh, that that the interpretation that we have is in light of various distinctions and mm-hmm. influences and mm-hmm. of one's own personal experiences and all of that. I thought about her because there was a mix if you were if you if you'll remind me of kind of Pentecostalism, kind of Catholicism, a little bit hey, of liberalism it was, it wasn't kinda. It wasn't kinda. <laughs> that, that was wholehearted, one hundred percent dairy product Pentecostalism Catholicism, bro. Right. Roman Catholicism too. Wow. Together. Yeah. And they and, and they would kiss they would go by and kiss her ring. Yeah, and... we would have to kiss the ring. Yeah. For and for folks who are uh, uh, sort of in the dark about what we're talking about. Go back and listen to uh, Omaha. This would have been part one, right? Yeah. Yeah. So this would have been part one of uh, the two part episode that we did on SBC reflections on the 2019 SBC conference that uh, just wrapped up a few weeks ago. Go back and listen mm-hmm. to that episode. Listen to both, both episodes, but I believe mm-hmm. the background of the first both, one. Yeah. Yeah. My and Virgil's, uh, church background is in part one, so you'll be able yeah. to catch up on what we're talking about here. So, if there if there's ev- evidence of a nuance, I think that would be kind of evidence of of kind of an, an, an evangelical kind of nuance around uh, ecclesiology, right? How how the practice of the church gets get, you know functions, yeah. but even e- even that nuanced approach isn't as problematic as the level of sinful embrace that we're currently witnessing in the culture. I think you'd agree with that, right? Indeed, indeed, I yeah. would. Yeah, yeah. So that that that's that's where we go from something that maybe not 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 you know, well maybe that was kind of crazy with regard to what you walk through uh, in, in your church experience, and then how these things get played out in the lives of believers and where we're moving toward in the culture with the idea of the nuance. I just thought I'd bring that to light. No, I'm I'm glad you interjected that. You know, and mm-hmm. I happen to be of the opinion that the word nuance is one of the most overused words mm-hmm. in the lexicon of the evangelical church today particularly within that realm of evangelicalism that has embraced the so-called gospel of social justice. Mm-hmm. And I think that more than any other present-day expression of evangelical Christianity, the social gospel, okay, with its myriad layers and levels, mandates that every issue, every condition, every problem, every concern, every situation and circumstance be either posited or distilled through a filter of nuance. Mm-hmm. Or to put it another way, through a filter of personal experience. Mm-hmm. But but one of the many problems with viewing the word of God through such a subjective and nuanced lens, and just to be clear, subjectivity and nuance 
are two sides of the same coin, okay? They go together like peanut butter and jelly or out here in California, like avocado and anything else. <laughs> These cats eat avocado with everything, everything. out here. Is that how that works out there in California? That's how it works out here out west, man. Avocado on anything is peanut butter anything and jelly. Avocado, bro. Avocado on everything out here. <laughs> but, but the point is subjectivity and nuance are two sides of the same coin, okay? And one of the many problems with viewing the word of God through such a subjective and nuanced lens is that it tends to invert the manner in which God's word is to be properly understood by those to whom God in his grace and mercy has chosen to reveal his word. In other words, a nuanced gospel says we should filter the word of God through our own personal life experiences, distinctives, and influences, whereas scripture teaches exactly the opposite, that we are to filter our experiences and influences through the word of God, and on that basis, construct our theology. Mm. Now, I say that on the basis of texts such as 2 Peter 1.20, which says that scripture is not a matter of one's own interpretation. And 1 Thessalonians 2.13, where Paul describes scripture as the word of God, not the word of man. So in sociocultural terms, nuance is generally associated with music and art, not theology. Bro, that's good. That's good. In sociocultural terms, nuance is a word that you would normally see associated with music and art, not with theology. What you want with theology is not subjective interpretation, as if it were a piece of music or a painting on display in an art exhibit that that can mean one thing to one person and another thing to someone else. What you want with theology is objectivity, not subjectivity, meaning that you're trying to land on as accurate and objective a hermeneutic as possible so that it is understood and applied consistently by all believers, okay? Now, we know that doesn't and won't always happen, all right? We get that. Differences about, for example, eschatology, okay, is a good example of why we know that that we we won't always land on the same place. But even in that case, what you're striving for, though, is an objective, hermeneutical understanding of that doctrine, even even on eschatology. You're striving for an objective hermeneutic of that doctrine and not trying to impart onto that doctrine your own personal nuanced shades of color of your own making, okay? And again, this is very important to remember. By definition, nuance is subjective, not objective. That is very important to remember. And that's thoughts on bro. That's 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 really good. I I, I I like when you said when you when you said that that it, we're we're dealing with something that when we talk about nuance, we're we're dealing with something more associated with music and art rather than theology. We we have a natural sinful tendency to change the meaning of words into something we find mm-hmm. useful. Yeah, that's a great in, point in our efforts to wink at sin. Great point, bro. And what's sad is that the words we choose once had a solid meaning until we wrapped our sinful hands, or should I say our sinful mouths around those words. Right. Today, today we're talking about how everyone uses the word nuance uh, in its way. Yesterday, it was the word relevance. You remember this? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Every every ministry that I know wanted wanted to leverage relevance uh, or even change the name of their church to relevant. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and and so what they do when they do that is they 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 become relevant and all the while they squint their eyes at the scripture while they embrace a clear eyed approach to the world. 
Mm. And I, I mean, I mean that the things that we desire to be be relevant in, in the world, we, we have the desire to be relevant. So our eyes are wide open to what's happening in the culture while we while we kind of squint at what Scripture actually says about how we're to do the things that God tells us to do. My thought is this, bro. We should have stopped worrying about relevance and thought about being repentant long time ago. Oh, snap. What a mascot. <laughs> Where, cue the mascot. Cue the helmet. Cue the B3. In the same way, we need to stop, wor- we need to stop worrying about oh, nuance. Nah, see, so you need to go, uh-uh. You need to you need to rewind that and 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 start that one back at the beginning, bro. That was that was so nice. You got to say it twice. Right. <laughs> we should have stopped worrying about relevance and thought about being repentant. Right. That's Man. that's that was that was yesterday. Today, in the same way, we need to stop worrying about the nuance and think about being nailed to the truth of scripture. Man. Hammond B three fire it up, <laughs> bro. That's, that's where we are. I mean, we're, we're so man, you preaching, man. We're so concerned about this nuanced approach rather than nailing down the truths that are that are self evident in the text of the scripture. We want to run from that rather than anchor ourselves to that truth. Man, I don't know. I don't even know if we have any keys left on the Hammond uh, after that, bro. I mean, we might have worn out the keys, man, on that segment. Wow. Omaha, that was some truth there, man. I appreciate you spitting that fire. Praise God. You know, at this point, I think it would uh, do us well to revisit the definition of nuance that Mm -hmm. we mentioned at the very top of the discussion here. I just want to repeat that real quick. Nuance is a sensibility to an awareness of or an ability to express delicate shadings as of meaning, feeling, or value. That is the Merriam-Webster definition of the word nuance. Now, that said, as a Christian, I can be well aware of and even have a certain degree of sensibility to various aspects of a person's life experiences toward the goal, for example, of meeting a certain need or providing godly counsel in a given situation. So in that sense, yeah, nuance has its place. But the danger in emphasizing a nuanced approach to the fixed, objective, and immutable truth of God's word is that you end up commingling God's divine truth with subjective and experiential human suppositions. Mm, As a consequence, you end up developing a personal hermeneutic of scripture bro that's some stuff right there you you got it you got to unpack that i mean go back walk folks through what you just said because that what you just said is incredibly imp- that that's the anchor of all of of the time we're spending on this show indeed that, that that's the concern this is the concern this is the primary concern with regard to the issue of a nuanced gospel. And so walk, walk us back through what you said. You, you mentioned as, as a consequence of, of adopting or adapting these nuanced approaches. Right, what begins to right. So, so the danger in emphasizing a nuanced gospel, okay, in a nuanced approach to the fixed, and this is what we have to understand. God's word is fixed, mm. okay? The danger in emphasizing a nuanced approach to the fixed objective and immutable truth of God's word is that you end up commingling 
God's objective and divine truth was subjective and experiential human suppositions. That's good. That's okay. Good. As a consequence, you end up developing a personal hermeneutic of scripture. Okay. And a personal hermeneutic of scripture inevitably and invariably leads to a personal application of scripture. Mm-hmm. And what a personal application of scripture ultimately begets is a theology of empiricism. Wow. (laughs) Okay. Empiricism is that theory and philosophy which states that knowledge comes only or primarily by means of sensory experience. Okay. A nuanced gospel acts in much the same way as it seeks to leverage sensory experience to validate and legitimize scripture with regard to how it is to be understood and applied to our lives at any given moment or in any given situation. Wow. A nuanced paradigm of scripture is exactly how you end up with pro LGBTQ ministries like revoice and living out. And conversely, you end up with denominations like the Southern Baptist convention, opening the door to worldly philosophies such as critical theory. Hmm which in an empirical sense applies knowledge and reflections from worldly social sciences to form an extra biblical anthropology that quote unquote works for certain individuals whose life experiences contribute to their having an affinity affinity for, or an appreciation of that particular philosophy, that philosophy being critical theory. So the cycle of nuance works like this. See, there's a cycle to nuance. Okay. Mm -hmm. It's just Mm -hmm. not this one thing. There's pieces to this. So the cycle of nuance, as I call it, works like this. Nuance leads to empiricism. Empiricism leads to pragmatism. Pragmatism leads to individualism. Mm. And individualism can often lead to Socinianism. Now, Mm. Socinianism is the philosophical view that religious and theological matters must be fully reconcilable with human reason or they are by default regarded as invalid. Wow. Okay. So again, let me repeat that. The cycle of nuance works this way and go back to the point I made about how the ultimate um, uh, output of a nuanced gospel is a personal hermeneutic. Mm -hmm. That's what you ultimately get. Mm -hmm. That's how we got revoice. That's how we got living out. So the cycle of nuance works like this. Nuance leads to empiricism. Empiricism leads to pragmatism. Pragmatism leads to individualism. And individualism can often lead to Socinianism. Okay, again, Socinianism is the philosophical view that religious and theological matters must be fully reconcilable with human reason, or they are by default regarded as invalid. Okay, thoughts, Omaha? Wow, the the final position that you landed on that Socinianism with the idea that, that human, that, that everything is invalid unless it reconciles with human reason um, is, is a, is a problem in a major way, primarily because apart from, apart from God, our reasoning makes no sense. Exactly. Right. It's the proverb that says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Right. And that knowledge of the Holy one is indeed understanding. So, so the Socinian ignores what Paul said to the church at Colossae in Colossians 2, 3, where he says that in Christ are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Mm-hmm. 
So when, when we remove the very engine that makes the boat move, so to speak, we're in danger of doing away with the reason for the apostles, the pastors, the teachers. Mm-hmm. Paul explains this in Ephesians 4.14 that we were given, right, teachers, preachers, and preaching mm-hmm. gifts for the body of Christ so that we would not be like children tossed to and fro by the waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine, by mm-hmm. human cunning and by craftiness and deceitful schemes. And that, that's what happens when we've embraced the gospel of nuance. We've, we, we've, we've let go of the anchor. Yep. That, that that holds us to uh, the you know the ground and and keeps us uh, from from crashing right yep. in 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 the sea of of ideas and philosophies that that don't that are counterproductive that are they're antithetical to what to what the scripture says the gospel of nuances has fueled the false doctrines of people like James Cone and, and his mm-hmm. black liberation theology. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Critical race theory yep. and and the newfangled woke church movement of yep. our day. Yep, indeed. And what each of these false teachers or the false teachers of these movements did was they nuanced scripture into oppressed and oppressor themes so that they can coon. I, I mean, con. <laughs> I meant con. Did I say con? I read that too fast. So they can con the masses into believing. <laughs> Rather than the truth that sets men free, <laughs> man, they didn't did I tell it, you, man. didn't I didn't I tell you to stop following Eric Mason? <laughs> <laughs> See that they, they did that so they can con people. They did it so they could con people, man. The masses they believing a, we're believing a lie rather than the truth that sets men free. You're very, you're very. That's very true. You're right. You're absolutely right. And you know, at this point. I hope that at this point in our discussion, <clears throat> my prayer is that it's becoming clear to our listeners that when we talk about a nuanced gospel, we're not merely talking about adding subjective shades of color to the gospel. Mm. What we're actually talking about, and, and Virgil, this is to, the, to your point of what you, what you just said a second ago. What we're actually talking about here with the nuanced gospel is what the Apostle Paul termed in 2 Corinthians 11 and Galatians 1 as a different gospel. Mm. We're talking about a different gospel. When you reduce it to its most fundamental level, a nuanced gospel tempts us to question whether God's word actually means what it says. Ministries like Revoice and Living Out are prime examples of this. Those ministries and others like them developed out of a nuanced approach to the scriptures, specifically as it relates to what the scriptures clearly declare about the sin of homosexuality. But a nuanced approach to that issue has now placed a question mark where God placed a period. That's what you get with a nuanced gospel. You replace God's declarative word, and it becomes an interrogatory. It becomes a question. Okay? Revoice and living out have placed a question mark where God placed a period. That's exactly what happened with the question the serpent posed to Eve in Genesis 3. Indeed, has God said? The serpent asked. See, God put a period right there. Mm-hmm. The serpent nuanced that and changed the period to a question. Bro, that's really good. That, that's new. That was the first, that's the first example of nuance well, in, in human history. history. Yeah. yeah. Wow, that's good. The serpent nuanced that one command from God, changing the punctuation from a period to a question mark, nuanced that command 
and we're still paying for that today. Now, I I spoke earlier about examples being revoiced and living out. Let me read you the mission and vision statement. This is the revoice mission and vision statement as it is written on the revoice website. Okay, you can find this on the revoice website. It's twofold here. Okay, they have a mission statement and then there's a vision statement. I'm going to read both separately. Here's their mission statement. Quote, to support and encourage gay, lesbian, bisexual, and other same-sex attracted Christians, as well as those who love them, so that all in the church might be empowered to live in gospel unity while observing the historic Christian doctrine of marriage and sexuality, unquote. That is the mission statement of Revoice verbatim from their website. Here is the Revoice vision statement verbatim from their website. Quote, Revoice exists because we want to see gay, lesbian, bisexual, and other same-sex attracted people who adhere to historic Christian teaching about marriage and sexual expression flourish in their local faith communities. We envision a unified church where these individuals can be transparent with their faith communities about their orientation and experience, where local churches utilize and celebrate the unique opportunities that lifelong celibate people have to serve others, where Christian leaders boast about the faith of people who are living a sacrificial obedience for the sake of the kingdom, and where all people, regardless of their orientation or experience, are welcomed into the lives of families so that all can experience the joys, benefits, and responsibilities of kinship. I just got a a headache, man. I know. I feel a headache coming on. I just listen. I wish I could just sort of maybe FedEx you some Advil right, right? now, but I, I mean, good. Exactly. Night, I man. know exactly how you feel. You know. Now notice now, notice that the Revoice mission and vision statement is framed in very, very nuanced terms. Mm-hmm. They use words like empowered mm-hmm. and flourish and celebrate and joys and benefit. Those are all terms of nuance. Nothing at all about confession and repentance of the sin in which many who would identify as gay Christian, quote unquote, are actively engaged. Nothing about that. Nothing at all about confessing and repenting of that sin in which many of them are actively engaged. And, you know, let, let, go let, ahead, me, add, Omaha. let me add this. The crazy part about that is we, we're, we're you've brought this up many times on, on, on the podcast, how we've got to use biblical terminology. This is, this is an unbiblical anthropology. It is. We, we, we're identifying ourselves in terms and terminology that is antithetical to the Bible, to, mm-hmm. to, to what anyone would label themselves as Christian after using the adjective to, 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 to proclaim who and what they are. Right. Now, I didn't even mention the fact that the very term gay Christian is an oxymoron. Absolutely. That's a, that's a biblical non sequitur. Right. Okay, that very term. Okay. Now, I was saying earlier, in his institutes, uh, Calvin, his institutes of the Christian religion, John Calvin defined repentance this way. He says repentance is, quote, a true turning of our life to follow God and the path which he shows us, a turning produced by a genuine and unfeigned fear of God 
and consisting in mortification of our flesh and of the old man and in vivification by the spirit, unquote. That was Calvin's definition of repentance as written in his institutes. Now, Calvin goes on to say in his institutes, quote, evangelical repentance is to be seen in all who, having been inwardly stung by sin's goad, are nevertheless buoyed up by trust in God and turn back to him, unquote. That's literally what repentance means. It means turning from your sin Mm -hmm. to God, okay? Now, where is any of that in Revoice? Where is any of that in Revoice's vision statement and mission statement? Mm -hmm. Instead, You see, instead of the quote-unquote narrow road, instead of the narrow road cross-bearing reality that the Christian life is described as in texts such as Matthew 7, verses 13 and 14, and Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 through 26, Instead of the narrow road cross-bearing reality that the Christian life is, the nuanced language of revoice makes following Christ seem tantamount to a trip to Six Flags. (laughs) I mean, no conviction of sin, no confession of sin, no repentance of sin, none of that. In fact, homosexuality has become such a nuanced matter within the evangelical church that to merely cite what the Word of God itself says about that is to be accused of being unloving and ungracious. I mean, that's where this whole idea of, a, of nuance has gotten us today. Mm-hmm. But see, my question is this. What is there to nuance about what God's word clearly says about homosexuality? And why does it seem that homosexuality is the one sin? It is the one sin about which God's word no longer seems to mean what it says. I'll tell you why that is. It's because as the scriptures declare in first in, in John 319, uh, in John 319, men love the darkness rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. That's why homosexuality is the one sin that gets its own special place now within the church. Mm-hmm. But what, what do we read in first John 3 9? First John 3 9 says, No one who is born of God practices sin. Mm-hmm. No one. Now the operative word there is practices sin. As a lifestyle, no one who is truly born of God, who has truly been redeemed, whose heart is truly regenerate regenerate by the Holy Spirit, practices sin as a lifestyle. Revelation 21, 27, and nothing unclean and no one who practices abomination and lying shall ever come into it. That is the kingdom of God, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Again, in Revelation chapter 22, verses 14 and 15. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and may enter by the gates into the city. Outside are the dogs and the sorcerers and the immoral persons and the murderers and the idolaters and everyone who loves and practices lying. Mm. Now, on that note, in light of the scriptures that I just read, Have you noticed, Omaha, that across the vast landscape of evangelical Christianity, no one is saying we need to be more nuanced in our view of adultery or murder Mm -hmm. or stealing or any of the other myriad heart issues that God has declared to be sins? No nuance is required on those issues. Mm -hmm. But on this one issue, homosexuality, nuance is both required and expected. 
Any thoughts on that, man? It's crazy, man. I mean, all, all of what you went through is important for us to to, to think about and, and recognize. Now, I, I agree there's there's definitely no nuance for murder or adultery, uh, but there always seems to be a nuance for validating homosexuality. The other the other issue that you run into with regard to nuancing, uh, and, and it's not direct, it's indirect, is the nuance right. that's required for racism, right? Which is which Oh is, man. Right? Which is couched Bro, under the oh, guise oh, of oh, 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 oh. <laughs> Cue the mascot up because Virgil's about to go there. <laughs> Virgil's about to go there. Cue up the mascot. It's the it's the it's the nuance for racism, right? Now it's not no one is saying that racism is okay, but what they're doing is they, they nuance their racism as they couch it under the guise of social justice. Yeah. Now, oh, I, 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 I know <laughs> I know you're familiar and we talked about uh, James Cone earlier in, in our yeah. conversation and I know you're familiar with his work yeah. uh, and, and for our listeners James Cone uh, kind of the kind of seen as the father of black liberation theology right, right. Now, I remember reading Cone for the first time, uh, uh, Daryl, when President Obama ran first for, for, for office, when he ran for the presidency the first mm-hmm. time around. Mm-hmm. And it was, du- it was during that time that I became familiar with even the idea or term that there was a black liberation theology. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I did so having heard of, about Jeremiah Wright, who was Obama's yeah. pastor. And yeah, so as 20, I as I 20 years. Yeah, absolutely. So as I saw this thing unfold, I thought it was important to go back and figure out where does Wright's theology come from? And it came from James Cone. Mm-hmm. So it was during that time when I read Cone, I read his book and read what he was saying. That was Cone that had nuanced the oppressed and oppressor themes of the Bible yep. uh, to, to somehow posit the idea that that the God of the Bible was on the side of blacks mm-hmm. who were the oppressed right. and stood against whites who were the oppressor right and it was at the time that i read cone's book the cross and the lynching tree i don't know if you've yeah. read that particular uh, yeah work, but- I, I i have every i studied cone up at princeton and i i have everything he's ever written yeah yeah well i i thought you know who in the world when i when i first read that book i thought who in the world would would buy this ridiculousness you know how, however as you and i both know that that the modern day woke church movement is built upon the nuanced themes of men like Cone. Indeed. So I thought it was important, man, to revisit some of Cone's work. Unlike you, I haven't read everything. I've I've listened to a number of his uh, speeches and talks. In fact, you could go on YouTube even now and Google it and kind of walk through maybe three or four hours of, of some of, you know, of some of the different uh, uh, speeches he's given, talks he's given and the like. And I, I would encourage our listeners to do so so that they can be up to speed on this nuance that took place long ago that we're still, uh, I, I, I tongue in cheek say, benefiting from right, yeah, uh, to, right today. But but needless to say, it's the gospel of nuance that gives undeserved credence to false prophets like Cone and many others today. And this is what what this whole episode is about, making sure that we're exposed to this gospel of nuance so that we're not fooled, bamboozled, run amok, led astray by ridiculousness like the, like the James Coneses of the world and the woke church movement. Man, that was an excellent point. And yeah, maybe what we can do in this episode is maybe link to some of Cone's uh, works mm-hmm. uh, so that folks who aren't familiar with him can, you know, at their leisure, at their own uh, choice or not, uh, to purchase some of his stuff and read it. Yeah. Because I think it helps. It helps the church to be equipped to offer a more solid uh, and biblically substantive apologetic Absolutely. Uh, to know and be able to speak intelligently mm-hmm. and articulately about 
what uh, the whole thesis of black liberation theology is. Mm-hmm. And the base way to do that is to get it from, uh, so to speak, the horse's mouth. Right. So maybe we can link to some of Cone's stuff when we put this episode out. That'd be good. Um, you know, Omaha, as we walk through this subject of a nuanced gospel, I can't help being reminded of something that I read in a book by D.A. Carson. D.A. Carson wrote a book called The Gagging of God. The Gagging of God. And in that book, he quotes Dr. Albert Moeller. Albert Moeller, as many of our listeners know, is president of the Southern Theological uh, Seminary in, um, uh, is it Louisville? Right, it's Louisville. And uh, in that book, in D.A. Carson's book, The Gagging of God, uh, uh, he quotes Moeller as saying this, quote, there is no faith relation with Christ free of doctrinal content. Mm-hmm. One cannot have a relation with him without knowledge, and that knowledge represents incipient doctrine. If one does not believe the truths concerning the Christ revealed in Holy Scripture, one cannot have any authentic relationship with him. Doctrine, we eagerly concede, does not in itself save. But on the other hand, one cannot truly worship Christ and seek to live as an authentic disciple and deny, denigrate, or neglect in any sense the biblical teachings concerning him, unquote. Now, the reason Mola's words are germane to the conversation we're having about nuance is that Christianity is an inherently doctrinal worldview. And those doctrines have been built upon the objective and immutable truths of Scripture. That God's word is unchanging is important to note because, again, nuance, by definition, is subjective not objective. And because nuance is so so subjective, because it is so subjective, subjective, it can result in doctrinal shifts that are antithetical to orthodox biblical teaching. So in fact, nuance is so subjective that you often end up nuancing the nuances. <laughs> right, right. You end up nuancing the nuances because you're obligated. Under a nuanced gospel, you're obligated to consider and hold as equally valid the sensitivities and life experiences of each and every person, regardless of context. Mm. So you end up nuancing the nuances. It's an endless cycle. You know, and, and thinking about that, I had a brother in Christ say on Twitter earlier this week, brother by the name of Phil Autry, and I think by the time this episode airs, it's going to air on Phil's birthday. So mm. uh, shout out to Phil. Happy birthday. But I think Phil said something on, on, on Twitter that was very profound. Matter of fact, I got his permission to quote him on this episode, and he gave me his permission, which I appreciate. That's great. Uh, Phil Autry on Twitter said this, quote, he said, nuance has its place when used to clarify and flesh out truth statements, but not when used to obfuscate or cloud meanings. Too much of the latter today. Unquote. Wow. Wow. Good on I Phil. Thought, I thought Phil nailed it. Phil, what Phil has done, he's adroitly articulated the primary reason we're talking about this in the first place. Because nuance is so often today used to obfuscate and cloud truth. Mm-hmm. And in some instances, create new truth. And I think it's really ironic mm-hmm. that uh, we can say that nuance is often used today to cloud truth. Because mm-hmm. again, when we went earlier, right, through the etymology of the word, mm-hmm. one of the meanings of the word nuance is cloud. Mm-hmm. It's cloud. 
you know, I'm reminded of, of something. Uh, what my favorite, my personal favorite Ligonier teaching fellow, Dr. W. Robert, Robert Godfrey. Dr. Godfrey says something in a message uh, entitled Five Errors. This is a message he gave at the 2003 Ligonier Conference. I was listening to it the other day. Dr. W. Robert Godfrey said this, quote, if there's a question about the meaning of the Bible, the only place to look is back to the Bible. That's good. Unquote. I thought that was brilliant. It is brilliant. If there's a question about the meaning of the Bible, the only place to look is back to the Bible. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, Dr. Godfrey's words reminded me of of something else. One of the early church fathers, uh, Clement of Alexandria, said this. Clement of Alexandria said, explain the scriptures by the scriptures. Mm -hmm. You explain the scriptures by the scriptures. No nuance necessary. Mm -mm. Thoughts on the heart. This is, man, this goes back to, I mean, First of all, Phil did a fantastic job. Let me start there. I thought he, I thought he nailed it. Yeah, I, I think, I think with the quote, man, he, he nailed it. And, and so let me go back to it. So nuance has its place when used to clarify and flesh out truth statements. That's great, but not when used to obfuscate or cloud meanings. Too much of the latter today, man. Totally agree. Yep. With that, when we think about things like you and I have studied systematic theology, yep. right? When we we we're, where we're looking at one of the things, man, that that I love, I love what Dr. Steve Lawson says about systematic theology. When it, when talking about it, he says that systemat- a, a proper systematic theology should run uh, like a thread from Genesis to Revelation, mm-hmm. and whereas if you pull the string in Genesis, the book on on the side of Revelation would would crinkle. And so when you think about systematic theology in that way, we know systematic theology is on the basis of biblical theology, uh, historic theology, Mm -hmm. and theology proper. When you begin to look at how people are nuancing things, you take away things like historic theology. And by historic theology, we mean what the church has always taught about a specific issue. Right. If, If we're nuancing nuances and someone... 50 years from now looks back at what our theology was, they'll never be able to make heads or tails of anything because it won't be based on an objective standard of what the Bible has to say, but rather it'll be based upon some subjective standard that some mm-hmm. person had based upon their personal experience right. of, you know, of, of, of life during that time and day. And it'll make no sense to anyone. Right. And we've been so making I, that, we've been making that point throughout this episode. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, I, you know, I, I look at this, I think I think Phil knocked it out of the ballpark. So good on him and happy birthday to him as well. But uh, but yeah, man, I mean, that, that's that's the point of the whole episode. That's the point that when, when you begin to listen to people who are embracing and, and their language is based upon nuance. Right. Not in an effort to clarify the deep truths of Scripture, but in an effort to obfuscate, to ignore to cloud, I love when you went back through the etymology of the of the word to cloud uh, the 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 issue to make it more cloudy in an effort to embrace things that the Bible has declared sin. Mm-hmm. We know we've got we've gone too far. Yep, we've gone too far. You see, you know, great points again, Omaha, and again, shout out to Phil for that uh, that comment. Man, I think I thought he nailed. I thought it was significant and very very germane to what we're talking about here today. And you know, as we come to a close on this episode of the Just Thinking Podcast and the conversation we've been having on a nuanced gospel, I want to end by quoting uh, John MacArthur. Uh, John wrote a, uh, an article uh, for the Grace to You blog, and we will have this article linked uh, in the episode notes uh, when this episode is released on July 17th. 
John MacArthur wrote an article for the Grace to You blog, and he, the article is entitled "Nothing But the Truth." And I want to quote uh, something from that article just to kind of wrap us up here. Uh, John MacArthur said this quote: "Certainly, an individual's understanding of the truth can be refined and sharpened by study of the Scripture, but the truth itself does not need to be reinvented or retooled in order to make it suitable." for the times in which we live. The same truth Abraham, Moses, David, and the apostles believed is still truth for us. Changing times do not change the truth. MacArthur closes by saying, Scripture is as unchanging as God himself. Then he quotes 1 Peter 1.25, But the word of the Lord endures forever. MacArthur closes by saying, in other words, we need to adapt our understanding to the truth of God's word, not try to manipulate scripture in a vain effort to harmonize it with the changing opinions of this world. Wow. Unquote. And if that's if that if that's not what nuance looks like, right. I don't know what nuance is. Right, right. Wow. You want to close this out, bro? Wow, yeah, man. Just a man, just a great show. Enjoyed walking through this topic, this subject with you. My hope is that the listeners, uh, man, were edified uh, in what was said, and that that we now, based upon our time together on the podcast, are even better equipped uh, to to respond to what we're hearing in the culture by way of of a nuanced gospel. So, man, I enjoyed it tonight, man. Can't wait to get the feedback from this. It'll be interesting to see where uh, where this particular episode takes us, man, and and what. Uh, what transpires as a result but man it was a joy to walk through this with you uh, to our listeners thanks so much for listening thanks for checking in with us as always it is a, a pleasure and a privilege to be with you i would ask you to check back with us next week for another edition of the just thinking podcast